Hello, legends. Today, I catch up with Cub member Mona Zia, founder of Event Tech, a development agency that delivers high-quality dev at good value price. After leaving her successful corporate career behind her, in just three and a half years, Mona has built a powerful personal brand, reputation, and an 18-person company. Me and Mona discuss transitioning from corporate to business and the challenges that come with doing that, but how it can often be the best thing you'll ever do. How to separate your personal brand from that of your business and the importance in doing so, and the power of word of mouth and how going that extra mile for your client is always a positive thing. Mona is an inspiring businesswoman. I highly enjoyed this conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, I'm so excited to have you. And, and did, did you fly from Melbourne to be here or were you already in town? I was actually, well, I was coming up uh, for a couple of meetings and uh, then this happened to be at the same time. So, yeah. Excellent. A couple of meetings, catching up with you, all the fun <laughs> stuff. How long have you been part of, of Cub now? Um, it's been 2020. So we're in 20, almost three and over three years, over three and a half years. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. You've enjoyed it? I've loved it. Yeah, it's such a great community. Amazing. Well, like I told you at the start, today is really about you and hearing your story and um, and becoming this powerful uh, business figure in the world of technology, uh, as so many Cub members know you for, uh, and sharing that story with with um, uh, with the rest of our listeners. So um, why don't we start with, uh, where, were you, were you actually, where were you born? So I was actually born and brought up in Pakistan. And I moved to Australia back in 2002. So it's been um, almost 21 years. And why did you move? Well, that's a a long story. (laughs) I moved here for love. You know, I met somebody there and then moved here. And we we were together for almost seven years and um, did not like Australia, I'll be honest with you. Like I had family all over the world. Australia was the only place where I did not know anybody. We didn't have any family. I didn't have any friends. But um, um, but yes, as I said, I moved here for love. And, you know, by the time things didn't work out and I had no reason to stay here, I had made such great circle of friends and I had a, made a great career out of, um, um, you know, in the corporate, corporate world that I was working for that I just, you know, this was my second home. I didn't want to leave. And what was the reason you guys chose Australia if you didn't have any family and friends here? Well, because um, my ex, he um, he was studying here. So he moved here to study and then I just followed him like you do when you're young and, you know, you're in love and you want to do all the <laughs> right things. Um, but, yeah. And, and your career, you mentioned you started a career. So what did you get into? Well, my background is actually um, I did my master's in mass communication back in Pakistan and I was uh, working um, at, a, at a newspaper as a journalist, believe it or not, um, and um, wrote on a few social issues, which I was loving, you know, the um, the field work and everything. It was it was really enjoyable. But when I moved here, um, I wanted a stable job and – you know, studying mass communication media was part of part one of the subjects that I did, and I, I started exploring as to you know what opportunities do I have in this um, in this field here, and I landed a job in sales um, division at Census. Census back in the day used to be Yellow Pages, White Pages, um, City. Search, it was a big company. It was a huge <laughs> company, and um, I joined at the right time, and um, I spent about eight and a half years there. Wow. Yeah. Moved across different business units. Um, Doing sales? 
Always oh, sorry, doing, different yeah, business units. Yeah, different business units, but always in sales. Uh, BDM, relationship manager. Um, so, yeah, always um, client-facing. Um, in So dealt with a lot of businesses, many different kinds of businesses, sizes of businesses, so gained a lot of experience dealing with businesses um, throughout my um, career at Census. And it was a really good time to be part of that company. You know, there were sales incentives, the overseas intense incentives we made. I made a great circle of friends, met some lifelong friends there, which um, I'm still friends with and catch up on a regular basis. Isn't that such a nice thing about businesses though? Like they impact your, like, I mean, whether they be SMEs or corporates, like you can build like lifelong friendships. Like it's just a question of doing stuff in life. Like I feel like the more you do, the more people you meet and the more friends you're able to, to, you know, the more people, not just friends you're able to get, but like the more people are able to impact your life and, and make you stronger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you need to get out there and do things, but, but so what made you leave the corporate world? So um, after Census, I made a switch because the company at the time was, um, the culture was changing, um, print was dying, you know, they were moving into the, the online strategy to market was a bit too late. Um, there were some other competitors that came into the market. So I decided to switch the industry. So I moved to Amex Financial Services in 2011. And spent another eight and a half years there <laughs> um, in merchant services, corporate um, finance and stuff. Um, again, in sales and marketing, um, dealing with different kinds of businesses. Um, had a great time there. And um, then finally decided that I want to follow my passion that I always had, which was to start a business in 2020. And now when I look back, I should have done that a, a lot earlier. But, you know, I think you know when it's the right time. And I think a few negative experiences kind of pushed me in making that decision. And I'm so glad that I made that decision when I did. Um, so negative you know, experiences in the corporate world. You in mean. the corporate world. Like, you know, I just think that it's, it's not about, you can work for a great company, but it's about people who you work with. And if they don't share the same values as the large corporates, um, it was just, it was just, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> well, you can just say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it so, was, yeah, it was um, more the fact that I had the people that I was reporting to, I just did not, their values, um, we were very, I was in a very male dominated um, department and that's not the issue for me because, I mean, I grew up with two brothers, always had a lot of male friends and stuff, but I was just feeling very cornered, mm-hmm. um, especially after having um, a child and going on maternity leave and coming back. And um, it was, you know, I, I took a, I took a year off. And when I had my child, I was like, I'm not going to go back to the corporate world and I should start my business now. But then I chickened out because, you know, you've got the stable income, you've got, you know, the um, bonuses and good pay and stuff. So I went back and within probably about a year and a half to two years, I realised that this is not where I want to be now. Like I, um, I'm not resonating with the people that I'm working with. I am not sharing the same values and they, they're just not, they're not my people anymore. So. Do you think, do you think that, cause I know, like I would speak to a lot of business women and a lot of mums and I hear the story over and over again that, you know, when I had kids, I knew it was time for me to start my business or when I had kids, I started my business. Like that, that always happens. Yeah. I, it's, it, do you think it was a problem with the uh, corporates 
uh, particularly in the past, I, I'm assuming now it's a lot more flexible than, I mean, you don't even need kids now and you can work from home. But yeah. but but do you think uh, in the past corporates or large or companies maybe in general just weren't, it wasn't an environment that enabled uh, a mom or a new mom to be able to to continue working in, in, in that place and, and that's why people left or, or? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, when you have, when you take a step back, which is when you're having a child and you go on maternity leave, you just get time to think about like what you really want to do and people think, okay, now I want to start a business. I mean, when I look back, starting a business was actually the second hardest thing that I've ever done in my life after having a baby. <laughs> but it just gives you that headspace to think about that, you know, like there is other things in life that I can do as well and follow my passions and stuff, which is what I started doing when I was on maternity leave. Um, but it was more the fact that, um, you know, it was, I just didn't, f I didn't want to be part of an organisation where the people that I was reporting to or the people that I was working with I knew that they were not on my side. They had their own agenda and they just wanted to climb the ladder and they didn't care, you know, uh, that maybe this new mum, how she needs the support and stuff. And every big organisation, they they say that they support mums and they, they say they support, um, you know. They, they say a lot of things, big organisations. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the numbers. It's about caring for their shareholders and everything. And I get that now to some extent as well after owning a business, but um, it can make things quite um, difficult you know, for a, for a young mum. And from a flexibility point of view, flexibility in large organisations was um, lot, it was there even before COVID. So it wasn't more about that. It was other things where, you know, I just... Um, you felt they cared more about the numbers than supporting yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They thought that they were caring and they thought that they were doing the right things, but they were not because um, I felt it and I felt it as a new mum and I just thought, okay, well, you know what? This is the right time. It, but, yeah. Sorry, you keep going. And I just now look up when I look back and I was a bit, you know, very, I was very, I was a bit bitter about that for a long time. But then I'm like, oh my God, that was, whoever pushed me at the time to make that decision was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I wouldn't be in a position today if I didn't take that leap of faith or just say, you know, stuff you corporate <laughs> or the corporate world. And, you know, I want to go and do my own thing. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Isn't yeah. it amazing how yeah. everything happens for a reason? Like yeah. even the bad things in life, like potentially the bad feelings that you were getting from being caused by the workplace or whatever it was, the uncomfortability or and everything, like it resulted in you, you having to go through adversity, but you're putting yourself in the best position you could possibly be in your life, doing something you love that's yours, giving yourself the flexibility, serving others, yeah. like – been a great example as a mum, like, you know, there's, there's just so many good things that come from, from the bad. And I just always think that's important to, to see. And, and you know what else is kind of cool that you, you said that it wasn't so much the environment that made me move. It was that I had a break I had, cause I had my maternity leave. I had just that time and I had the headspace in the room to actually think about what I wanted in life. Yeah. And that could be, you know, that's an important lesson because I mean you don't need to have a baby to give yourself that space. If you're at a if you're in a position or at a job or at a place in your life where you really feel like you need to make, make a change, maybe taking you know three weeks or a month or I, I don't whatever whatever the amount of time it, you need off just to think yeah about your life. You know maybe that could be the thing that sets you in the right direction. 
Yeah. And you know what it is? I think also when you are, um, I've always worked in a very high pressure environment in throughout my sales career or my corporate career. And when you take a break, honestly, it takes about three to four weeks just for you to mentally unwind. <laughs> To then, you know, think about. So I think having that extended period, which could be in the form of a long service leave or if you accumulate a lot of leave, I think it's important um, that if things are not resonating with you and if you're not enjoying it, if you're not happy, life is more than that. So you should really think about and you should really think about what your passion is and what you want to do and what legacy you want to leave behind. You know, it's not just about always about the money. I took a huge step back when I started my um, business, you know, I, I walked away from a very stable income, um, and it was the hardest thing in, I've ever done. I had a vision. I knew that I had the skill set, um, and I, I just, I knew I could do it. But it was still very scary. And I remember people saying to me, "Oh, you know, you can do that because your husband is um, is, is a very well established in his corporate career." And I'm like, "But still, you know, it's it's me. It's my career. I've built something for 17 and a half years, and I'm walking away from that to follow my passion. That takes courage. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting thing, that, isn't it? Because people like people always try to bring you down." Yeah. You know, like, doesn't matter what it is, like, they'll find a way to, oh, yeah, but you can do that. Like, sorry, they don't try to bring you down. What they try to do is bring themselves up. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, you can do that because your husband en enables you to do that. But, you know, that's why I can't do it because my, yeah. you know, like, they, 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 they're really, they're trying to find a, and people, before they go out and they're on their own, you have to know that people are going to be saying that. Like they're going to be finding any way to, to, to discredit what you're doing or to make it more acceptable for you to do it, but not for them to do it or to prevent you from doing it. Like, yeah, that, that just happens. Like it, it happened to me, um, at cub like, at the start of cub, everybody told me members clubs don't work in Australia. Everybody's tried it. Everybody's done it. Like everyone's failed. Uh, yeah, look where you are. If, yeah. And we've, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I said, I haven't tried it, Yeah, you know, and, and I knew I could do it. And, and then even with BOA, like at the start of BOA and mind you, BOA still hasn't done anything. It hasn't made, doesn't make any money, but, but it is servicing thousands of business owners across the country. And at the start of BOA, everybody was like, oh, well, isn't that just LinkedIn? You know, yeah. isn't that just, like, pretty much everybody would say, isn't that just LinkedIn? I was like, no, LinkedIn is the employee network. That's 99% of people on LinkedIn is our employee, our employees. And they, you know, your profiles are CV. And as a business, the business uses LinkedIn. It's a recruitment tool or a promotional tool. I was like, we're not making an employee um, network. We're making a business owner's network. And, and it's not going to be a tool for the business for like recruitment and things like that. It's going to be a, a tool for the business owner to seek support and advice, to, to build strong relationships where they can do business together or find opportunities or even just people to relate to, to help them with, it. you know, no one understood. People would always just try to say, no, no, no. Everyone's instinct is no. And you just have to have that mental fortitude to push past that and, and, and say yes. Because even if what's in your head isn't correct, the fact that you had the, fire, you, the, the resilience to push through the fire and to commit to, to it, it means you're going to find whatever is the yes. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like it's, it's not a question of, oh, is my idea definitely the yes? It may or may not be. And you should be prepared for that. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I have a strong vision and I want to try and prove it. If it doesn't work, and that's what I said when I, you know, even started with business, 
you know what, if it doesn't work out, so what? I'll go and find another job. So that was always my mindset. But I knew I could do it. Um, so exactly like you. And I think those are the people when they say that is because they just don't have the courage and you have and they just can't, you know, stand that. Um, and um, and there is a lot of pressure because then that then starts putting doubts in your head. Every time you have a low day or a low week, you just start thinking, yeah, maybe they're right. And, you know, but it's just like you said, just keep pushing through and start keep believing in yourself and your long term vision. And things will unfold. And I think 100%. And I think that the longer you go, even in short terms, but the longer you go, the more you learn, you know, I can overcome anything. Every problem is not that big. Correct. Yeah, at the start, you're kind of like, oh, my God, like every problem is a disastrous problem. It could be the end of my business. This means, oh, my God, this means it doesn't work. Like, oh, why am I, am I doing this? Is there any point of it? But the longer you go, the more you realize, okay, like these aren't actual problems. Like everything has a solution and I can, I can problem solve. I can find it. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, and, and so, so t tell me then. So you went out, uh, you left the corporate world to start a business. What was your vision? What did you want to start and why? Yeah. So my vision was, um, um, as I mentioned, um, I was born and brought up in Pakistan, moved to in 2000 and early 2000s and always wanted to create um, a business, always wanted to have a business, own a business, took me a long time to do my research. And I wanted to create a bridge between my two home countries because I was born there, but Australia is now home as well. I'm married to um, an Australian. I've got a beautiful son. Um, so I wanted to, and I wanted to do something, promote the talent in Pakistan while servicing Australian market. And throughout my career, um, dealing with different businesses, large, small, medium-sized businesses, I realized that um, a lot of there's, there's, there's an opportunity in the market. They just don't know how to go about getting the right, adequate sort of digital solutions. Um, and I knew that we have great talent in Pakistan to fulfill that gap. So that's how, um, so my operations are, I'm, I'm very upfront to everybody about this. My operations are based in Pakistan. Um, we, we do have some very close partnerships and a um, few people who work in, in Australian market as well. So that was a whole vision about starting my development agency, Avantech, where we specialise in websites, mobile apps, web applications. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, that was always um, – so I created that bridge between Pakistan and Australia where, you know, we, we're, doing, we're doing all our back-end operations there and – servicing all business types here. And I think what's cool about that is that, and, and what everyone needs to remember is people should always look at what makes them unique and them strategically important to the business, you know, because really you are and your life experiences and what you know is what's, what can be strategically important. And in your case, you were like, well, I have great ties back to Pakistan, which is a country that has uh, good, well, uh, cheap labor but that are very good technically. Correct. You know, and I can I speak I, the language, I know the people, I can I know the country, I know the laws. And here's Australia, a very rich country that wants to digitalize a lot of digitalize a lot of businesses and develop a lot of things. So you personally were, you know, strategically important in the business in that you could create that that link very well. You yeah. represent uh, and are able to represent companies very well in Australia and you're able to um, have uh, leverage the uh, yeah contacts in Pakistan contacts, yeah. yeah and I mean I always um, and that was you know I I never I I don't I'm not IT background um, don't ask me how to write a code but what my, what I brought to the business this was my vision and I knew how to identify 
problems and find solutions. So I made sure that my team was strong enough to deliver on the commitments that we make to our clients. So that was my strength. But then I made sure that I'd curated a team behind me who could deliver without cutting corners, without compromising on any quality um, and deliver up to the standards that people expect in this market. And how did you do that though? Well, you know, I mean, starting from starting from a very small team and really, it was really hard. Um, uh, Daniel, I don't know if, if we've uh, touched on that topic yet, but we, um, when I decided to um, start my business, I was lucky enough to resign Went, up to, went back to Pakistan, set up my um, – we started in a small office with three people and I came back and we were in COVID. I literally had to come back. I, I came down and we uh, – I am based in Victoria, Melbourne, and we had the hardest lockdown there, as you can imagine. Um, you've got the cl- your clubhouse there and I literally I, – I was like, what have I done? <laughs> like how am I going to establish this business? But then I started connecting with people on LinkedIn – on, on on social platforms and I just wanted to get a couple of success stories under my belt and then use them to build that business. Um, so I just kept on doing what I was good at, which was networking, you know, just making sure, telling people, telling them the story, this is my team, this is what we do. Um, we are a new organisation, we are a new agency, but the team that I've got behind me they are very well experienced. They're very experienced in what they do. They've done, you know, they've, they've got 20, 15, 20 plus years of experience and in doing these kinds of things in other international markets like America and Europe. And now they're working in my team. So slowly, you know, we, we I got a couple of clients on board. We delivered and we delivered really well. Um, and the team started growing. So it was sort of like an organic growth for us. But, so you're saying starting small and just proving that you can deliver and then expand. And expanding with, on so that. Yeah, sometimes it's like I say we did this very well at Cub. It's like sometimes just steady growth. It doesn't yeah. have to be fast. Like, no. you know, these crazy growths where pe- people think they need to grow like, you know, straight up line. Sometimes just very steady sideways growth up in an upward trajectory is the safest way. It's, it's the best way to build a very strong, safe business. You know? Correct. And and that's when you joined Cub, is it? When you wanted to get networking yeah. and all that? Yeah. So I, um, that's when I joined Cub and um, best decision that I made at the time because um, – even though when I joined, we were in lockdowns. So I was I was not able to go into the clubhouse for the first probably six months, but there were so many digital events happening. And, um, yeah, it was such a great community and there were so many um, sessions that I attended which really helped me because I never ran a business before. I knew how to deal with businesses. I knew how to identify the problems and finding solutions and curate the right teams, but never ran a business. So, And there's so much more that goes into it. Uh, people think that, oh, you know, I'm going to quit my job and start a business because it's going to give me flexibility. Well, let me tell you, I it's been three and a half years. Um, I don't think I've actually had, had a weekend where I've never, I haven't worked, but it's different. I want to work. Like it's my passion now, right? So it, it's different kind of pressure. But when you, if you think you're going to get flexibility, there is no flexibility. <laughs> I like that. That's so true. That's yeah. so true because, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> It's you work more Correct. as a business owner by far and you've got more weight on your shoulders, more pressure. Like by no, in no world is it easier being a business owner than having a job. Yeah. But it is different. Very different. Because you it, – it, it is – it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time. Like or you don't view it as work. You just like 
I view it very much as just life. Like, yeah. This is what I like to do. Yeah. I need to do something with my life. Yeah. I want to serve business owners and I want to build something um, that, that serves them after I die. You know, it's different. Yeah. It's, I, it's funny that, it's, isn't it? It's funny and, it, and it's very hard to explain. It's like, you know, until you have a child, you just don't know what, what you know, motherhood is or fatherhood is or parenthood is. It's the same with business. Until you have it, you just don't know, like, especially if if, if it is your passion and, you know, you want to, um, and I was not in that that growth, like I've, I've started a business and now I want 2,000% growth in the first year. I, I just took it really slowly. We had COVID. I had no industry experience. I never ran a business before. So I took it slowly, but I had to give my blood, heart and soul to it. Um, and which I did. And I loved every minute of it. I've never done anything hard in my life, but I will never change it for the world. And if you think about it, you had probably the hardest, you were probably in the worst position someone could be in. You <laughs> you were you just started the business in the start of COVID. Yeah. You'd never run a business before. No. Um, uh, you're a, a woman in a male, like, tech industry, which, yeah. I mean, could be harder. Um, you... Um, you, you don't know any, you, you don't know, you're not a technical person, a founder in the sense, like you don't know code, you don't know any of that. You didn't have a network of business owners around you to help you. Like that's like, and, and you still push through and you still, like no one has excuses. If you want to get it done, you can get it done. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, it's inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. I've never thought about it like me yet. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and so, um, uh, oh, what were you saying just before that? I wanted to touch touch on something. Oh, you you related business to to motherhood or parenthood. Yeah, and do you, do you see relations in the two? Like you know, absolutely. It's like it's my baby. I know I've got a son, but that's different. Um, this is also like you know I and especially in my business where people bought me. You know they couldn't see my team or they couldn't meet my team, but. I could convince them or I could, um, you know, I was the one who was, they were, they were having a faith in me when I could, when I said that this is what we do, this is our solution, this is our processes and stuff. And then there was my name on the stake. And the last thing I want to do is not be able to deliver and ruin that, that dream of mine by committing to something that I can't deliver. So it was it was a very, very personal thing. And I literally treated it as just like my own son, you know, just really nourished it, really made and made sure. And I made a lot of, I think, in the beginning, I did make a lot of mistakes. Everyone does. If you say you have perfect team from day one and you have perfect processes from day one, um, you're lying to yourselves. But I learned, you know, every mistake that I made, I was like, okay, well, next time I'm going to do this thing better, like better than that. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it, I really nurtured my business, um, uh, just like my baby and I'm three and a half years in, I've still got a long way to go. Yeah, that's still very early. Very early. I'm very, I'm, I still call myself a startup in a way. Three mm. and a half years is nothing in the business. But if I look back, look, feels to me, it feels like three decades because I've learned so much. I have learned so much about myself. I have learned, I've gained so much respect for business owners, um, which I never did. I mean, I could relate to business owners when I was in the dealing with them, but I never, you know, I, I never lived in their shoes until I ran my own business and really understood the day-to-day challenges. Uh, Isn't that interesting though? Because see, I grew up, well, I grew up in a world where I, all I knew was the business owners and you know, I, I only knew what it was like to be a business owner or, or the perspective of it. But when I read 
So that was always my view. It was always the view as the person running the business. But when I read like um, comments in like uh, here on Instagram news articles and things, and there's all these people, oh, the businesses should pay for this. The business should pay for this. Oh, why does the and, and I'm like, how how do these people think that this is what the where do they think this money comes from? First of all, and and like I I, I always wonder like how do they think that that is like I, I try to put myself in their shoes and understand where they're coming from as to why they, and, and how they relate small business to uh, SMEs anyway, to, to corporates. And then it's like they throw government corporates and SMEs all in the same bucket. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's very different things. Like all three of them are very different. And, and, but, but it's interesting you're as a business owner, a first time business owner of a successful business, you're even saying before you were a business owner, you didn't kind of respect what it what it meant to be a business owner, how hard it is, what they actually go through to be able to contribute to society and employ people and pay all these fucking taxes. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's, it's a different ballgame. I remember like the first time I got the client and I was like, oh, okay, so how do we invoice? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Small business. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I'm like, look, I and that was only three <laughs> yeah. and a half years ago. I'm like, wow, I've, I've come a long way. <laughs> you don't think about those things no. when you're starting a business. You know, Cub, this true story, didn't have a membership list for like a year and a half. Wow. We didn't have one. We didn't know who were members for it like a year. That's how like, that's how like, yeah, we started. Yeah, <laughs> we started and we did not have a membership list. Like yeah. we kind of did, but we didn't really, we didn't know where it was. We lost it sometimes. Like <laughs> we didn't know when people were renewing. Like well, that's how rookie. Yeah. Like we were. Boa, when we launched, it was a soft launch. Yeah. But when we launched, it didn't even work. Yeah. Like, it, the app didn't function correctly. Now it's gone a lot better and, it, it, you know, it's doing a good job. But yeah. still it's very – I think it's very rookie still. Like it, it's got a lot – it's got a, it's good for a startup but it's got a long way to go. Yeah. But my point is like you don't think of the little things. You think of like – I was thinking when I started Cub was like, okay, can I – will people will people pay me money to, to join, to, to be part of a club? Yeah. And so all my efforts went into sales. Yeah. And they did. Correct. But none of my efforts went into okay. Yeah. When are they re- you know, when are they renewing? Who? What's the process to make sure that they know their renewals coming up? Where's the list go? Who's got? You know, like, yeah. There was none of that. It was just okay. Well, uh, sell the memberships. Yeah. You're gonna get staff. We can then yeah. look after those clients. Yeah. It's, ex- it's exactly right because you can't you can't have everything perfect from day dot. Right? You can't just say you can't just go and set up your account system before you get clients. You know, it's it's all organic, especially in these kind of startups. Oh. And st- you got to start some like start even now like you know I'll think about all my problems I got a lot of problems but I can't do all of them yeah you know I've got to choose okay, which problem is the biggest problem like which ones by fixing or resolving I'm gonna is gonna have the biggest ram- positive ramifications on on, on the business or all my life so you know I have to just do that one first yeah. because you, so you know but it's 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 the same with problems when you have a big established business as to problems when you're starting a business. You can only start by starting with something, you know, like I think the sale, the sale is the first thing you Absolutely. should start with because then you're stuck. Okay, I've sold something. I need to do something with this person now. And as long as you have, you know, you can serve them and it's worth the money. But but often when you start to, you charge a lot less mm. than when you're good. Yeah. You know, so when you're starting, yeah, okay, my product is not going to be anywhere near as good as it's going to be in 10 years. But you know, when you when the uh, first people joined Cub, it was only three hundred dollars a month. Wow. You know, was it worth three hundred dollars a month? What? Well, it was worth m- more, way more than that, I'd imagine. But very quickly, I realized that 
and it went to $600 a month. Then what was the next at Laura? Then it was $800 a month. Then it was $7,000 up front. Then it was $9,000 up front. You know what I mean? Like it, it just kept going up and up. Like it just, it, because you learn, you get better at serving. Correct. Like, okay, well, I'm better at doing this now, so it's worth more. So you've yeah. got to pay more. You know what I mean? Like it, that's just how it's, it works. It's, it's exactly the same with like with, with me. I mean, people think, and of course we, we do keep costs down for our clients because I have got the offshore operations but I'm also an Australian business, right? I've got I've got the, I've got bills to pay here. I'm running a business and everything here as well. So in the beginning, I did things for a lot cheaper than what I can do now because um, we are providing the same process, we are providing the same quality, um, but at the same time, I'm running an Australian business. Yes, with an off- offshore operation, which my team has grown to 18 now. Um, so yeah, I mean, you you learn those things that yes, I'm prov- and I'm providing quality work and I'm solving the same sort of problems. Who and I think COVID was one thing that um, also helped. That it doesn't matter where the team or people are based these days, as long as you are delivering, that's the main thing. Doesn't matter if your development team is based in St Kilda in Melbourne or in Pakistan or in Sri Lanka or in Philippines. As long as the output is there and as long as the quality is there, I don't think people um, care too much. About I agree. That. I yeah. mean, if, if the quality is there and they can pay less, they can pay, yeah. they're going to pay less, they're they, going to choose that. Absolutely. Why yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. But but I just think it's so interesting that, that um, you know, the perspective of the business owner, like how can as, how can as business owners – how can others understand what a business owner goes through in order to actually make things work? Yeah. You know, without, yeah, I don't know. They can't. They, yeah. they can't. I mean, that's why they just say, you know. It's like explaining parenthood to me. It's Come like, on. well, I don't get it. I don't have a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got a I business. Like. You've got two businesses. So you've experienced, you've, you know, to an extent, you will, I'm sure, experience it one day as well. And then you will realize how you can relate to so many things. Um, you're so protective so many things in the beginning when you start a business, it's um, it's funny. It's the same when you have a child. It's you know, you just that. And then when they're two, instinct. you let them run around and fall I know. over. And <laughs> I know, I've got a six. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And then they start telling you when you've got a six-year-old, they start telling you, "Mummy, you know, he knows more about life than I do." I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's so good. And a lot of it too with business is is just the confidence over time. Like I really think that. Starting when you start, starting at a lower price point is a good thing, you know, because it just helps you get that confidence to be able to sell. You know, a, a lot of it is like, oh my god, is anyone going to buy what I've got or yep. what I'm doing? And like, if they are, what are they? You know, oh, I'm too, I'm too shy to ask for you know thousand dollars. I might, you know, I might, I'm going to ask for fifty dollars. You know, yep. but, but I don't think that's bad. I think people should do that because, you know. You will grow that confidence over time when starting your business. You know, you might be a bit nervous at the start and, and want to sell, you know, something for $300. But then you realize, oh, wait a second, I'm, you know, you make 10 sales quite quickly and you're like, okay, well, I, I can do this. Like maybe I can sell it for $600 now, you know. And then, oh, this kick, I, I'm selling it at the same speed at $600 as it was for $300. Let's make it $800, you know. And then keeps that, like, you know, just giving yourself that room just because you're st- – like you don't have to just start off the gates, charge top dollar and make money straight away. It's not about that. It's about you growing as a business person and you gaining the confidence to then make it possible for you to um, create a profitable business. Absolutely. And the other thing is, I think when you start a business, you are, I mean, I believe that word of mouth is your 
biggest, you know, marketing strategy. And if you um, if you want to get more clients on board and if you want to have those success stories, you it's okay to bring those costs down because these these clients then are going to help you get more clients once you get a few success stories under your belt. Um, so that was my sort of um, strategy as well that I wanted to, I didn't charge too much in the beginning because I wanted to have some clients because, you know, I had a new business. And now that we do, I'm like, yes, I mean, I can charge, I can charge a lot more. Yes, of course, not as we are still very um, affordable. I won't say we're cheap. We are still affordable as opposed to somebody who's got their full operations based in Australia. Uh, but we have delivered enough good work that I have that confidence that, you know, I should be charging more than what um, what I did when it's, I started. It's good value. Correct. You know, I'm, it's, I'm bringing it's, value. That's I'm selling value. Yeah. Word of mouth is like is something you've done very well because I know that from Cup because so many people um, saying even like uh, when I had started Boa, a lot of people were saying, oh, have you spoken to Mona? Have you spoken? Like a lot of people said that to wow. me. Yeah, a lot of people. And so obviously you've got a very good reputation and, and like, that's something people need to remember. There's so many times that people – just do the wrong thing by others or they, they just don't make the client happy. But you really do need to because having a good personal brand and, and business brand, but I, at, at, the, to be honest, at the start before, like until the fifth year, it's the same thing. <laughs> the yeah. personal brand, the business brand, are just, they're just one. Um, but having that is so crucial and, and just going out of your way to, to serve your client because you also have to remember as a new business or an early stage business, they are taking a risk by using you. You know, they're trusting in you as the founder Absolutely. and trusting that you're going to do 110% for them. And, and, you know, they realize, okay, I might be getting it at a good price, but there is a risk that this person might screw this up. So that's Correct. why I'm getting, you know, and once you show them that, no, look, I'm, I'm, I will, always take care of you. I'm going to make sure it's great. And if something goes wrong, then look, I'll sort that out somehow. Or, you know, when you just show people that willingness to, to, um, to, go to above and beyond. Yeah. yeah. They, then they see that and they go tell other people that, and then you grow from that. And yeah, that word of mouth, I think is crucial. Yeah. And that was always like, you know, building relationship and, you know, doing the right thing by the clients was always my strategy to be successful throughout my career. And that's what I've done um, in my business so far. Uh, but it's now the next thing is like people buy me. So how do I now separate myself from the business in the next coming years where, you know, I I've, I I want to take that, I, like you said, like the time is now for me to take the business from, to the next level where people don't just buy Mona, people buy Evantech. Yes. And that's hard. That's yeah. hard. Like I feel like I've kind of done that pretty well with Cub mm. over the past three, three or so years, because really right now, like I mean, I went to an event the other day. I swear to God, I, I went to, I'm oh, sorry. I wasn't even going to the event. I was literally hosting the event. I was, I was interviewing Gavin Rubenstein. Uh, we're having a fireside chat with Gavin Rubenstein here at, at this clubhouse and there were so many new members there. Every, I was speaking to so many people. They're like, oh, I've been part of Cub for a month or three months. And so many of them were like, oh, you know, uh, are you a member too? Do you work here? Like <laughs> I was like, man, they don't even know me anymore. And I was like, this is fantastic. That's because like, of your team, right? Yeah, well, I got the best team ever, but I raised them up. Yeah. I didn't, uh, you know, I've I, uh, we created operations where I didn't need to be there. People were trying, like I gave people the freedom to do their own thing. And, and like it, it's to the point now where really like, the new members do not know who I am. 
Wow. And and that's mm. I think that's a good thing personally yeah, because Cub is also not me. Mm. You know, it, it's got to be a, a brand different to to, to me, and um, and that took. You know, that I really think a company, you know, it needs you as the brand for the first five years. Yeah. Because re- that first five years, it, it to be a real business, it takes five years. Because mm. the odds, like just statistically, like five years should be your first goal. Well, one year is the first goal and then five years. Five like that's the big celebration. Yeah. Although Cub did have a big three-year party as well. But but five years, I think, is, this, is the next. And then after that is the 10th year. Yeah. Like once you're 10, it's like, okay, I'm – like this is a serious gig year. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Then you have strategies like what do you want to do next? You want to exit, scale, open other companies, replicate the same model with other companies. Yeah, or, you start having to look at that. But yeah. but I mean to your point, what uh, what what are you doing to n- try to separate the company from from yourself? Exactly what you just uh, mentioned about your team. So uh, my my goal for the next 12 to 18 months is to um, create a team here as well. So curate a team around me. And the hardest thing for me is like, you know, somebody who do I need, do I bring somebody in as, um, who can compliment me or do I bring somebody who can replicate me? So those are the discussions that I'm having, having, currently having with a few, um, my mentors, people around me that I, you know, tap into advices and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's. It, I really want to create a team where you know I um I can separate myself, and I think I do have that a little bit of control freak mentality, especially because I mean it's a brand that I've started from scratch, and I just don't want anyone to do the wrong by it, um, because the word can the word can go around, and it's a good word can go around really quickly. Similarly. When you've done something, you've you know, do you haven't delivered or you've done something wrong, or um, that word goes around pretty quickly as well. I think so. so. The way I liked to do it was how do I replace myself? Yeah. And I kept looking at replacing myself. So like, you know, at one point, I was selling all the memberships at the very start. I was like, okay, well, I need to replace myself because I can't sell all the memberships and then do the things I want to do. So, you know, um, uh, actually, Anthony then came at that point. In time, and you know, he started selling the memberships, and and you know, I might have done a few, but but I wasn't anymore. And then, and then we needed to replace Anthony because because I had moved forwards, and I needed to replace myself. So Anthony then had to move up and replace me again. So we had to bring in someone else. So let's just say at that time we brought in Calvin. Calvin replaced Anthony. So it's just a constant journey of replacing yourself Absolutely. and bringing others up to do the role that you were just doing, and bringing then someone in you, and, and you just keep. You put in at the bottom, you move everybody up. And I find that if you keep trying to replace yourself, then then eventually the customers that you're on board once you're replaced, they don't even know you anymore. Yeah. They don't care. You still got your input on the company and you should still do what you – like the, the things you're good at, you should still do. For example, at Cub um, um, – uh, I'm trying to think of things I do. <laughs> no, no, but at <laughs> Cub, at Cub I come up with the innovations yep. and I do the big problem solving yep. and I do the kind of strategy and long-term planning. Those are the things. And, and if we go to war, I lead the charge. Yeah. You know, th- those are the things that, that, uh, that I do. The war thing, that's not all the time, but if a team member ever needs me to jump in a fight, they know I'm there and, and, and they know we'd be taken care of. Yeah. So, so those are the things that I do for Cub. I have no no running of the day to day of Cub. 
Yeah. Yeah. And motivation. I'll do, I'll host two times a week. I'll host an entire team meeting where I just G ever, I basically just talk about how we're the greatest networking company of all time. <laughs> I just go on rants and I, sometimes I say dumb things. Sometimes I say good things. It doesn't matter. The, the team feel my energy and, and I feel that that helps, but I don't actually do, um, um, any day to day. And Anthony runs cup. So Anthony's, is running Cub nationally. In fact, right. we're, we're about to make a big formal announcement about it, but he has been running Cub now for, for, for a little while. Wow. And, but he doesn't do the things that I do. Yeah. You know, he's much better at running the business. Yeah. Far superior to me at running the business, managing it, making sure everything's done correctly, driving it, producing results. He can do that. Yeah. I'm a better problem solver. So me and Anthony had the discussion. We're like, well, let, let me do that. You do this. And yeah. and we'll keep replacing ourselves and moving up and you up and up. You complement each other, right? So because it was your passion and you when you when you go to these gatherings or you, you know, you address your team or you represent Cub anywhere, people see that passion. But then you need to bring in people who've got better or who can complement their skill set with your skill set. So you, you know, you come across as that um, powerful sort of team. Um, and, and and I'm in the same predicament, right? That I, I'm, a pa- I'm, I'm really passionate about what I do and I do want to grow my team here. But I also want them to understand my story, which is a story why I started Avantech and why I, you know, what value Avantech can bring to the clients and how we want to keep on promoting talent from Pakistan. And eventually I know that I will have to, you know, um, grow my team here as well. But my story needs to stay there and somebody who can then, you know, I don't have maybe somebody who, who's, who's got more experience in running businesses than I do. Maybe somebody like that can really complement my team um, to grow here. So, um, so yeah, there's a few things in the pipeline that uh, I'm looking. I just think always look to replace yourself. Mm. That's like the biggest. That's the biggest advice Scariest I would have in two. terms of. <laughs> I think it's the best. Like yeah. the funny thing is, I always think men love that idea. It's like, oh, I'd love to replace myself. I'd love to do nothing. <laughs> and like, I have so many like of the my like uh, women friends that like have businesses. They they all they never want to do it. But like yeah. even with our managers at at Cup, like all the guys, like yeah, hundred percent. They let them do that. I don't want to do. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I so say funny. That, oh, I want to work on my business, not in my business. And somebody, um, and actually another Cup member, and he runs a very successful business. They've um, they, I think they started five years ago, four years ago in a garage and now they've got a massive factory and they do like steel fabrication work and it's, it's amazing. Um, I think they're, they've been cup members for a long time as well. And he said to me, he goes, Mona, you will always be in your business and you will always be selling because you love it. You just don't know it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but I don't want to, like if I, if I do it, that should be like, because you know, I'm, yeah. I'm bored and I, I don't have anything else to do. Not because the business is depending on me going out and hunting for business all the time or looking for clients. That's a good word, depending. If your business is depending on you to have to function on the day-to-day, then yeah. you are still part of the – you are the business brand. Yeah. The second it's not fully depending on you to operate on day-to-day, it is separate yeah. to you. And that's a really – Good. That, that that would be the define uh, that could be the defining word for what separates you and your business. When your business is not dependent on you on the day to day, that is when the brand can be separate from your personal brand because the clients, the new clients that are coming in and that are being serviced, aren't having touch points with you. Correct. You know. Yeah. yeah. And then it becomes different. Then it's more of well, as the CEO. I want to be having some touch points with some clients to make sure that the experience of my you know that they're getting is still good. 
And then when you do meet with them and you go catch up with a coffee or whatever, then it's really special. The client loves it because they're like, wow, mm. the CEO who I hadn't yet met yet, I still got involved in the company, but I hadn't met the CEO. You know, they, they've come and had coffee with me and what, what, a, what a wonderful woman uh, Mona is. She's so nice. Like, oh, this is such a fantastic business. You know, I feel really special. Like that's, yeah. that's then that. That next level. That's next, absolutely. But absolutely. three and a half years is so such a short amount of time. It is. It is. That that you, I mean, yeah. What, what, what size is the company at now? How many? How big is the team? So my team has grown to eighteen now. Yeah. Um. So we do. Um. We've got designers. We do a full. We we provide a full agency experience where we start with you know really doing the discovery with the client, whether it's an app or a web application or a website. Um. Then we do the design phase. Um. And we do. Websites in a few different technology stacks. We do web applications to create business efficiencies or if it's client-facing, client portals. Um, and then we also do mobile apps. So, yeah, the team is growing. Um, I mean, um, I can grow the team to 50 um, if I want to tomorrow, but I'm now I'm really looking at that strategic piece that I want to work on this side a bit more, how I can grow the team here, separate myself from the business, and then start um, scaling back in Pakistan as well. That's a good idea. Yeah. I, agree, I agree with that. Mm. And how, so, I mean, there, there are a lot of um, digital transformation, web development, like it is a packed space at the moment. Well, like I know it's packed because it's cup. What are you doing to stand out from that space? Because there are a lot of companies that want to do the same thing. So I guess because the market is so packed with companies that do something similar what do you think has been the most important thing that you have done that has helped you grow and become and be successful over others I think we really try and pick and choose the clients that we want to work with to understand what problem they're trying to solve in the market if it's a startup uh, or what business problems or efficiencies are trying to create within their organization um, and really take that consultative approach um, and try and understand, do a discovery phase with them, try and find if there is any off-the-shelf solutions available for them, which might be a better solution or a quicker solution for them, um, and really have those couple of meetings before deciding whether we're the right agency or they're the right fit for us. And then we go, we make them go through the full discovery period, design period, design phase, um, development, and ongoing support. So we are a full agency experience without the, um, the, the the high price tag, you can say. You know, we've had some really good success stories even within a few um, cub members. I know, lots of cub members have told yeah. me. But, but see, being uh, choosing cl your clients carefully, that assumes though that you have the luxury of choosing clients. I can do that now and it's yeah. so powerful. It is so powerful. Yeah. When you're starting a business, you just want to say yes to everything. Yes. And our, I think I remember when I said no the first time, I was like, wow, I just said no to a client. But it does hurt your soul, it? Doesn't does it does hurt <laughs> your soul. It's like, oh. <laughs> I know. And, and look, a lot of, I hear a lot of people say this, like you've got to choose your clients. I choose who I work with. Yeah. That's fine. But I, to be honest, that might not always be the case for early stage businesses or startups. Yeah. You know, that's where you get to that point where, okay, yeah. I've got enough yeah, I'm good enough at what I do where I, I can do that. My company's strong enough to be able to do that. Yeah. But at the start, people are just like, oh, my God, I need a client. I need <laughs> yeah. a client. And also I think I also identified that um, when you say you do everything, you don't do anything. 
you know, you really need to find your niche. So we are a development agency. When I started the business, I'm like, well, okay, well, you know, we'll do websites. And then slowly, once we get enough website um, clients, I'm going to start the SEO side and then I'm going to start the digital marketing agency. And then I'm like, but then I will never be able to grow this development agency to the point that I want to and the, the really the talent that I'm really looking to promote and wanting to bring into this company. So now we are a pure development agency. We do um, design, development, ongoing support, and then we bring in partners. I think that is the best strategy. Every, do you know why? Every digital transformation company yeah. is a marketing and an SEO. And it's like, well, how can you do all these things? You're not big enough of a company. You're an SME. You're not some corporate that has different arms. And you know, it doesn't work. Like no. you're not going to be good at all of them. I'd rather go work with the specialist. Correct. And yeah. then find another specialist. And they might even have a specialist to recommend me to that they like working with even better because they already have relationships. But that's what we do. And that's what we do really well. So we, um, we've, we've got, uh, depending on the industry and the type of business, I've got a, um, I've got some strategic partnership that I, br I bring in once we have done our work and then we hand it over to them. We also work with a couple of branding agency as their development arm. So, you know, they do the design side and we do their development um, work for them. So the that's another strategic um, arm of the business that I'm looking to grow at the moment. And so partnerships are a big part of your strategy, Absolutely. partnering with other specialists who complement your, yeah. your business. And vice versa, where we can complement their Exactly. Their and ha well. has that been a good strategy in terms of growth as well, help find new clients? 100%. 100%. Yeah. See, yeah. That's, that, and that's a great thing that any – uh, yeah, early stage business can do. Correct. If you're yeah. great, you go f build relationships with other business owners in uh, companies that are strategically valuable to yours and bang, yeah. new clients, partnerships, make you stronger, make you look better. The client loves you too because then you're like, oh, listen, I've got the perfect person if you're looking to do socials. It's not me, yeah. which means the client now trusts you even more because they're like, wow, they're not trying to make money off me. Correct. And and um, uh, and the client's like, okay, they've even helped me even more, more than my um, development. They helped me with my marketing by connecting me to a company that Mona trusts, you know, that she knows is very good. So now I trust them too because it's a referral. Like yeah. it's, there's so much value there. there we do have to wrap up. But um, we normally finish with like a greatest lesson in business or a favorite book. I think I wrote that because I just finished listening to David Goggins. Can't hurt me. Have you read it? Or no, read but it? David Gog Goggins is a savage. I love that guy. Oh my god, he's a he mental is, fortitude. He is a mental case. Yeah, <laughs> he's also a mental. <laughs> he case. is yeah. so good. Like, yeah, he's so crazy and he's so good. Um, and I just think every business owner um, should talk about it because I, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm listening to another one these days because I, because I do read a lot of, um, I listen to a lot of books. I don't have time to read books these days, so I do. Closer. Oh, sorry. Oh, is it still recording? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep that in as well just for laughs for the listeners. Uh, she just randomly decided to stop. <laughs> stop <it. laughs> anyway, yeah. So tell me, but David Goggins, what's the book called? So it's called Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. And what, what? why did you love it? So it just talks about his um, some of the strategies that he has. You know, he says that um, when you think that you've reached your limit, you've actually just reached 40% of your capabilities and your capacity, you've still got another 60 in the tank. So keep going. And he's actually a living example um, of, you know, how he's lived his life because he's an ex-Navy SEAL. Um, and he, at the accountability mirror and, you know, how to get comfortable um, with getting uncomfortable. Like it is such a great read. and Important for business owners. Important for business owners, important for employees, teams, anybody. And, you know, it's just because uh, I one thing that I um, I have 
done a lot since I started my businesses, like, you know, self-development, um, whenever I get time, you know, I've got mentors and I talk to a lot of business owners, um, people who've got a lot more experience than me, but then in my downtime, this is my way of unwinding, Daniel, when I go to the gym, I actually don't listen to music anymore, I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I just think that just, it's such an uplifting experience for me and, you know, um, you get bogged down into your day-to-day running business chasing revenue, clients, all that kind of stuff. I just like to separate myself um, a few times, a four, four, five, four, four, at least four times a week. Um, and I just love doing that for an hour, uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Well, I, I think that um, um, uh, David Goggins is, is just so relevant to business owners. And even the 40, 40%, 60% thing, think back a year ago, just anyone, if you're a business owner, think back to what you were capable of doing a year ago when you were burning out or when you were tired and to what you're actually doing now. It guarantee you it's more than 60% of what you were doing a year ago. Like you just get better at handling more pressure and more things and more problem solving. And I couldn't agree more with that, but uh, and to our listeners, if you want to get in touch with Mona, um, uh, so many club members work with Mona. I've known Mona many years uh, now myself, and and she's, as you can tell, she's an inspiring and fantastic person. But you go to club.club forward slash podcast, and you can find her details there. Um, Mona, yeah, oh, sorry. And also for club socials, if you want to catch up with them, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. Mona, like I said, you are a very inspiring um, business person, and we're so thrilled to have you in Cabin on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dana. Thanks for having me. Hope you enjoy the show.